Hello and welcome to Contemporary Cage, an expert and informed look at the latter half of actor Nicolas Cage's filmography. On today's episode, we're watching the 2016 film The Trust. Derek, let's get real. We just had a, a hard conversation about some of the difficult realities, um, both both sort of uh, <laughs> exclaiming some of our hardships, but then also talking about the various ways that we are blessed. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I don't know. I'm actually, okay? I think I got it. Struggling. I got the Rona. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're doing well. We, but we were just sort of talking how you've spent your whole day sitting at this desk, and as soon as you finished up with yeah. working from home, you're jumping into this. Um, this place is supposed to be for uh, gaming hard, and yes, and uh, and watching stupid YouTube videos. But now, this desk space of mine is um, my indentured cubicle to my grind hey Ugh. you know i'm thankful and for a job if you're if you're listening and saying i wish i could be grinding well you know what my heart goes out to you it's hard not to just want to commiserate when you talk to people lately am i right yes totally yeah uh again hearts go out to everyone uh out there in cage nation Thoughts we hope you prayers. guys are all staying healthy and staying safe um hopefully staying secure um and not you know but, you don't have to stay completely sane if uh nick has taught us anything that's that's really a, some beautiful insight derek uh yeah Sometimes it's good to get a little cuckoo, wacky bananas like the cage man. Uh, um, a little madness now and then is relished by the wisest men. And as as we're talking about our, uh, our home spaces and going a little bit crazy, I think there's maybe no other better segue for our, for our segment that we're going to be doing today. Derek, you might have seen uh, this little thing going around online. Oh. Um, this sort of like quarantine house. Who are you quarantining with? Have you seen? No, this? I have not. I'm I'm not in the loop. It's this meme where you, there's six different houses, and then there's lists of, and there'll be different themes. I've seen some for like sports teams or like the the NBA. I've seen some for uh, like politicians or something like that. Uh, and you have to choose each of these six houses has like five or six people in them. Uh, and then you have to choose who you're shacking up with for the remainder of quarantine. So I've come up with six different houses with uh, five in each house, uh, different either cage characters or uh, objects or things from uh, uh, the extended cage universe that we've covered on this show. Um, so we're going to oh, go down. I know mine for sure by a hundred. Okay. Well, Jeez. hold on. Don't get ahead of yourself. Uh, that's, 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 well, don't get ahead oh, of yourself. But wait a sec. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to go house by house and then, um, we'll, we'll talk about each house and its merits and its, uh, detriments. And then, uh, at the end you're oh going to decide God, which of these six houses you're going to stay in. 
Yeah, this, this was a lot of work, I wish I could pick um, one from each because I could make the ultimate house, but that's the game. You could make Name your own game. house. Well, that's that's what I did. I, so I really tried to balance out these houses. Each one has, you know, some elements where you're like, hey, that would be pretty good. Yeah. And then some elements where you're like, oh, this would not be so good. Um, and then, uh, dear listener, if you want to see, I think we let's post this on Instagram and mm. then we'll also post this on Twitter uh, so you can go and uh, decide which house you're shacking up in. Yeah. Um, let's get started, Derek. House number one, we've got Frank Walsh, Nick's character from the movie Primal. Sure. Uh, we have Jay Baruchel, who's in The Sorcerer's Apprentice. We have Ghost Rider, who is uh, the rider. That's the actual, the demon that Nick turns into, or Johnny Blaze turns into in the movie Ghost Rider. We have Diane Kruger's character from National Treasure. And we have the Declaration of Independence from National Treasure. This might be the worst um, house, I think, out of all the ones. <laughs> because yeah, because um, anyone from Sorcerer's Apprentice is just going to be a bore. Frank Walsh from Primal yeah. is going to have all his fucking animals. For, and he was he was a pretty curmudgeon-y character. He's smoking cigars. Well. well, I bet there's probably a cigar in every single one of these houses if you get down to it. But, I mean, he's going to be... Possible. B.O. Animals. You've got a Sorcerer's Apprentice character, which already makes this house bad. And then you've got Ghost Rider, who's like on fire all the time next to the Declaration of Independence, Dave. Really irresponsible. That's true. Oh, my gosh. A a demon who, if you ever sin, it doesn't matter if you're a good person, if you're a bad person, if you ever sin or do any sort of act of evil, uh, regardless of how small, he will just kill you on the spot. That's sort of his M.O. Uh, So a very, very dangerous situation to be in. Uh, And then, yeah, Jay Baruchel, who's going to be sort of like just moping around, talking to himself in the corner, I imagine. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Diane Kruger's character is probably the redeeming factor. She's cool and nice. Um, but then she's just going to be worried about the declaration. She's going to be worried about that the whole time. Yeah, it could get a little chaotic in there. And I don't... Okay, let's move on to house number two. This is my front runner. This is the house to beat. Okay, cool. So number one, a pretty chaotic character. We have Terrence McDonough, who is uh, Nick's character from Bad Lieutenant, his sort of drug-obsessed, corrupt cop who's who's a fun guy you know i wouldn't uh i wouldn't not spend a night with terrence mcdonough but it would be i'm sure a dangerous night Hell yeah. we have, uh, justin bartha from national treasure uh john wilkes booth from yeah. national treasure the yeah. the lincoln assassin we have kesha great we love kesha here in cage nash uh and then we have the cheddar go- goblin from mandy yeah so so derek what are you thinking I mean, about this house kesha is obviously kind of like no matter who's in the house that's going to be a front runner because she's just going to be playing cool tunes the whole time plus yeah. terrence mcdonough with kesha like what that's kind of musical true. journeys are they going to go on together as they ride the dragon and fucking cheddar goblin is a party animal, Dave? Yeah, that's true. Like anytime you're sort of up late, you want a little like midnight snack. Just he'll just vomit all over. Yeah. Whenever you you don't oh. have to go grocery shopping, and then like no wild party, no drug infused wild party is complete without some strange historical figure like John Wilkes Booth, kind of like in there. <laughs> 
like it. Yeah, he's sort of the dangerous. I mean, I guess Terrence McDonough is also kind of a dangerous element, but John is 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 uh, the true maybe wild the card. dangerous. Yeah. yeah, but and then I also imagine Justin Bartha. You know, Riley from National Treasure is kind of an annoying character, but right. the thing is, you could sort of have Terrence McDonough and Kesha clowning on exactly. Justin Bartha and you could pitch in with them and sort of just you know clown on him exactly if he starts uh, acting a fool which, then we'll just have the cheddar goblin throw up all over him while he's in the shower and that's good for a laugh yeah okay let's move on to house number three uh house number three we've got Steve from the trust which uh uh is the movie that we're reviewing uh this week uh we have Willem Dafoe from Doggy Dog we have Jeremiah from Mandy who's the the cult leader villain from Mandy we have the little <laughs> brother who gets raptured from left behind and then we have the leaf guy the guy who off screen and knowing yeah. was throwing leaves in front of the camera yeah that um, that that is what kind of pulled house number three kind of up like just because of the leaf guy because he's really good yeah we've been dying to talk i'd to love him. to meet him and, and see what else he's done and see if we can find some of his fine work in other cinema well yeah and then if you were having sort of like he could recreate you're deprived of nature right. often when you're quarantined in this house and maybe he sort of adds a little autumnal flair to uh to, to your home i hope that there's you know people don't have allergies because fuck man that's a lot of leaves uh yeah i i feel like this is like i'm really worried about the little brother here um i think <laughs> i think steve willem dafoe that's true. and jeremiah oh are some really fucked up older dudes that uh have all either killed uh no like not even or just they've all killed many people uh the yeah that's the true. leaf guy is uh, such a question mark i feel like maybe he'd be kind yeah, of the hopefully protector. he can sort of be some protector yeah. guardian figure it's just like there's too much oh logistics God. and like fear and, and the headache going on in this one i don't think I'd, I'd i'm gonna leave this one to leaf guy and hope that it all works itself out okay um next up we've got house number four Johnny Blaze, so that is Nick's character from Ghost Rider uh, when he's not in the Ghost Rider form. Pretty fun guy, stunts like a stunt guy, rides motorcycles and stuff. We have Chad Michael Murray's character from Left Behind. Uh, we have Kelsey Grammer, who played um, from Grand Isle, playing his sort of like Southern Kentucky detective. I'm on the case. And then we have another detective, Fedora Detective. I'm interested if you remember this guy from Stolen <laughs> way back when. we uh, I forget what the actor's name. He's a character actor, but there was a guy whose main characterization was that he had a very sort of out of place uh fedora and then of course we have the llama blob mm. from color out of space yeah rounding out the house number four yeah certainly rounding uh it's a it's a shame that all the detectives are kind of um lost in a house where the uh clearly the main threat to be detected <laughs> is a giant sentient llama blob that's just hanging out in the house it seems like their talents can't really be put to good use um yeah i don't i mean chad michael murray's gonna get a lot of fans in this house because he's you know he's cmm i didn't i didn't when i saw him in that movie left behind yeah. i didn't know who he was but i knew that he was somebody like one of those who is that guy and my fiance, yeah. without skipping a beat, just 
Chad Michael Murray, you know? So for me, it's a no, but I'm sure this is going to be a popular (laughs) one. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, CMM is, uh, he's kind of one of those teen heartthrobs. I think his show was One Tree Hill. And then who, who was on that was sort of like, had his moment but then beyond that has never really been able to make his mark has never been able to escape uh, or reach escape velocity from one tree hill fame well you know i can kind of um, see him connecting with johnny blaze this kind of like playboy yeah. actor guy and then them kind of being on at odds with kelsey Grammer and a fedora detective kind of uh you know like there's kind of a generational gap there um, sure. I don't know where the llama blob plays into this conflict, but maybe this is how we all kind of see eye to eye. I mean, I'm assuming you have to defeat it somehow. You can't just live with that thing. <laughs> You're not just sort of like waiting for it to finish up in the shower before you do your I'm, routine. I'm just glad that it's not in house number three with Steve, Willem Dafoe, and Jeremiah and the little boy because they'd undoubtedly <laughs> the feed him boy. to that fucking blob. That's true. The little brother uh, would be completely uh, sort of a lost cause at that point. Um, Okay, let's move on to house number five. House number five, we've got Joe from Joe, uh, Nick's character Joe, uh, Sam Elliott from Ghost Rider, who's kind of his um, Nick's mentor in that movie, the Christian mom from Left Behind, the very devout Christian mother. We have Curtis Jackson, uh, Curtis 50 Cent Jackson from Frozen Ground, who played uh, a pimp in that movie. And then uh, Dad's Famous Hot Dog (laughs) from Knowing. Well, so this is I, 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 you know, I don't hate this house. This is very like real world to me, you know, like because I was thinking <laughs> if it was just Joe and Sam Elliott and Dad's famous hot dogs, and like maybe even it just seems like they're kind of an older conservative crowd, you know, that might mm-hmm. enjoy hot dogs together without it having to be a weird uh, quarantine house. But you throw in Fifty yeah. Cent playing a pimp. Uh, into the yeah. mix especially with the christian mom and like who knows sam elliott might you know he doesn't he like serve a demon or he is a demon so like it, it it's a lot of different different strokes for different folks in this house and i think the hot dogs is yeah. what pulls them all together i don't remember uh the specifics of the lore of ghost rider i can't remember the role that sam elliott sort of occupies in the ghost rider lore but outside of him being like a mentor figure he's demon adjacent um, for sure yeah definitely definitely um but yeah that's that's sort of a contender i could see that one working out uh and then number six rounding out the houses we have walter from grand isle nick's character from grand isle we have tommy chong color uh from color out of space we have andrea riceborough or mandy from mandy um and then we have uh the white jag from primal and uh, lastly, we have the Tesla coil from Sorcerer's Apprentice, the sort of musical Tesla coils. This house um, is pretty fucking dope, Dave. Like, you get, like, Walter's uh, down to clown. Like, he's he's doing drugs. Tommy Chong is on another yeah. planet. Mandy from Mandy is just going to be doing, like, art and, like, she's going to be taming that white jag with her, like, That's ethereal, true. like uh goddess energy and then the tesla coil in the right hands with this collaboration with like wow like an ex 
uh, uh, Vietnam guy and Tommy Chong and, and like this Mandy riding a white Jaguar could be, could be tuned. This coil could be tuned to, to some righteous vibrations. Yeah. Some like grateful dead or something. Yeah. This is the chill. I mean, this house and the cheddar goblin house are the two, uh, to be, it's just, are you more of a, are you more of a psychedelics kind of guy, or, or are you just gonna fucking pop X, do coke, and just party with Kesha and the Cheddar Goblin? And we all know what you Man. are, Dave. I am. I think I would do. I think I would choose uh, House Six. Yeah. I think I. I really. I. I didn't think about the theming in that way, but I. I am now picturing Mandy. Sort of. Uh, we know she's an artist. Her painting the white jag sleeping at Tommy Chong's foot with the Tesla coil behind him mm-hmm. and sort of that as like, uh, imagine like that picture on the side of a van in the seventies or something like that. I'm, I'm very into that imagery. Yeah. I mean, well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I'm not, I'm not going to go in that house because, um, being stuck in a house with a white Jaguar, they're going to fucking kill you, uh, over time. This isn't Tiger <laughs> King. Like you're going to be murdered by that big cat. And I would That's definitely true. party with Keisha and the Cheddar Goblin. All you got to do in that house is get on Terrace McDonough's good side. And if you do that, nobody else is really out to get you. Like Walter no. is a wild card and he might be an asshole and try to kill you. A Jaguar will kill you. Tommy Chong is not very coherent. So I would, I would um, true. you know, be a little bit on the safe side and uh, party with John Wilkes Booth and the Cheddar Goblin. Okay, so house number two is a lock for Derek. Yep. I think I will go for number six. You make a good argument that I might end up killed very you will quickly. Die, yeah. And then, of course, <laughs> it, it is very, very ethically uh, in, the, in the wrong to own a big cat. Right, um, right. But th- this guy's already here when I'm showing up. Um, but yeah, okay, so th- that's our quarantine house, guys. Make sure to share which of these quarantine houses you would Can we get a poll going on Twitter or something? I want to see what the Cajun Ash has to say. I don't know if you could do a six-way poll. I think you can only do four-way. Oh, the freaking programmers over in Silicon Valley haven't been able to figure that one out. Yeah, haven't, haven't been able to figure it's that one out. too much data. Um, yeah, but I think uh, if you guys want to comment below the post, um, definitely do that, and then we'll be able to uh, we'll be able to see which of these houses you guys <laughs> want to stay in. Very, very specific to uh, our show. Only pulling from movies that we've watched. Yes, uh, but we might some, do some real deep cuts in here. Maybe a, a post of the winning house Photoshop of like the characters all together or something stupid like that is kind of (laughs) that's nice i like that idea a lot there you go um okay well that wraps up this sort of a one-time segment i imagine thank god Uh, for that (laughs) we're all done with that we've decided our house uh and derek you will be moving in very very soon all right um but we're gonna we're going to get into the meat of the show uh this week we watched the Trust, which is a 2016 sort of crime uh, caper, sort of a classic caper movie um, directed and written by brothers Alex Brewer and Benjamin Brewer. Um, and uh, yeah, stars The Cage Man in Elijah Wood. And um, it's about um, a pair of cops that are investigating a, uh, 
a um, like a, a a drug den in this 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 vault that they've discovered, um, and are uh, and try to plan a heist or, uh, to uh, go and steal all the whatever's in this whatever's in this dang vault. Well, it's it's they're cops, but this is like very much off the clock, very private citizen, yeah, insider knowledge from their job as cops being used to basically rob a place that they know have valuables like they would very much uh go to jail for a long time if anyone knew that they were doing this this is not cop work it's like kind of dirty cop uh plan dirty cop hatch plan yeah yeah definitely so we kind of um we get to know both um what are the their characters. Nicholas Cage's character is Stone. Um, Elijah Wood's character is Waters, and the, yeah, they both work for the Las Vegas PD um, as uh, like ev- evidence handling, like mm-hmm. the the evidence um, team. And um, they, um, I think that they are both for different reasons, kind of unhappy where they currently are within their career, and just are sort of at like various or it's kind of different midlife crisis stages or sort of just like Elijah Wood might be more just having some existential dread and sort of like pondering his, his place in all of this. Also uh, going through a nasty and, divorce. Yeah. Going through uh, a divorce. Um, but yeah, it's a, it, it turns into like a, a crime caper where, um, you know the, the these two guys um yeah decide that they're gonna do this and end up staking it out it's uh it, it is set up very very much like a like a, a crime caper would be where uh a huge amount of it is like you know we, we sort of open with uh nick's character getting elijah wood on board and then uh and then elijah and nick doing all the reconnaissance and planning and and everything and it's uh yeah i, I think this is like a, a relatively well done surprising um like bit of crime fiction that has some like really fun idiosyncratic characterization on nick's ha- behalf um it, it's kind of a i i feel like i've seen him play a version of this character maybe in like kick-ass i saw i got a little bit of like big daddy if have you seen that yes, Derek? of course i've seen that yeah Run, yeah. Child! So there's like a, yeah, there's a little bit of that. He's he's like mustachioed, sort of like has this like straight laced outward, um, you know, uh, vibe that he puts out. But then beneath the surface, there's something like manic and kind of unhinged there. Um, and then uh, Elijah's character is 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 sort of like the emotional core and heart of the movie. He's he's. I, I really like Elijah Wood as an actor. I think that he is like very expressive eyes and very like relatable and sort of like you, you just like feel for him and like the way that he like wears pain on his face or like frustration or hardship. Like it, it's very easy to like empathize with him as an actor. Uh, and I think it, it definitely is like used to good effect in this movie. Um, I, I feel like some of the decisions like the parts in which the movie kind of falls flat are like loophole or plot holes in terms of decisions they made with Elijah Wood's character. Um, Mm. but like the, the two of them, the, like, especially the beginning of this movie, which it is a stylish 
movie. It's a stylish yeah. intro. Um, it very much attempts a mise-en-scene of its own, like with down to the, the music choices and, and the pacing of certain things. Um, the, there's a lot of shades of gray with the characters where it's kind of one mm-hmm. of those things where you can have a different impression of someone even though you both saw the same movie, some people can like really, it's hard to know, like the, the filmmaker doesn't explicitly tell you where people stand in some ways. And some things are kind of left to interpretation or debate. Um, the two of them work really great off of each other. Obviously Nick Cage is almost like a dad goofball kind of energy to Elijah. Who's a little self-serious and overly dr- like drama. Um, mm-hmm. Or maybe even just like, masochistic i mean like there's a great uh bit of character development with elijah wood right off the bat in the first like 10 seconds of the movie where they introduce elijah wood by getting a close-up on of him while he's having sex with a random woman and he doesn't look like he's having that great of a time and the camera just shows him focusing on some sort of mole that the woman has somewhere on her body and him not being able to get over it and it's just such a visual quick way to say a lot about somebody (laughs) immediately kind of a it's immediately conveys that this guy is kind of emotionally checked out yeah in some ways he's like neurotic he's kind of seedy he's checked out he's kind of depressed he's like he's so many things all in one quick action so that's like that's like good filmmaking and there's a lot of good filmmaking in this movie i was actually surprised i don't really look at uh reviews at all before recording the show because um kind of want to like ma- like have my own take uh and the reviews are pretty low in general like critical reviews are pretty low for this movie yeah uh, which is interesting because there were some things about it that i it, when a movie is kind of a cut above in a lot of ways you are a little bit more critical of it um, and, and mm-hmm. I feel that way about this movie a lot. Like, um, it gets criticism from me in ways that like other Nick Cage movies we've seen wouldn't even approach, uh, in terms of having the quality sure. to get those criticisms, um, which is like yeah. a weird kind of like good news for you, bad news for your movie kind of situation. You know what I mean? They're like, yeah, no, but I think it's that's a really important distinction to make with this movie is that it is very much working in a space where there is a clear creative voice and vision mm-hmm. for this. Uh, it, there's nothing about it that feels like craven or opportunistic or unconsidered. Um, th- there and there might be, you know, some stuff where just the challenges of a movie made it where something didn't occur or it's like you know will make you kind of scratch your head when you're seeing it play out but overall this is definitely like a a more thoughtful than average movie that than at least we cover on this show yeah uh, normally i mean it's not a bad movie either like um no the they're like really great choices um like uh especially when the heist starts going down like the sense of tension is mm-hmm. is really good like i will also like uh honorable mention this movie is just under an hour and a half it's less than a, than 90 minutes which 
you know, thank yeah. the Lord, hallelujah, like that doesn't happen anymore with movies. And I think it really should. Like every movie used to be an hour and a half. It was so rare if it was two hours. And now movies are all two and a half, three fucking hours, especially for something like this, yeah. where it's like get in, get out, like all taking place around one big event and like the entry and exit of that event with, with these characters, like... I, I really enjoyed yeah. that it wasn't a slog like in terms of the, the run time the pacing was really great throughout definitely it feels really really tight and moves well uh, there it's it set in Las Vegas uh, as we said these guys are like work in the property division of the Las Vegas Police Department and it has like some really good uh, like locales and sets and like a, a feel and atmosphere to the movie uh, I really like just some of the the score and like some of the places that they chose to shoot it feels like they didn't want to um like go and dive into this like glitzy glamorous sort of like commercial version of las vegas so they'll i forget what the the bar that they meet up at but it's a bar that i've been to before uh in my time in las vegas and it's just the absolute uh sort of like cheesiest mm -hmm. all neon blue they have these um uh drinks called like i think they're um it's like a, a snake bowl or something like that it's just this massive tropical drink that has like a ton of different straws in it for your party to share mm -hmm. uh and then like just the like lots of like back alleys yeah uh, lots of back alleys or just like a sidewalk with a chain link fence and then just like endless desert behind it so so you get a really good sense of place in tone just from the locale uh that i think adds to the sense of these guys being aimless and feeling unfulfilled exactly um, in this like seedy um it, just yeah it's super hollow place. like their their mm -hmm. lives um the the setting absolutely plays a huge uh part in the like a character within the movie because it is very totally. dark, but also very funny. It's very seedy, mm -hmm. dark, tongue-in-cheek humor in a lot of ways, which is great for like Cage. Like he gets he gets a lot of his character is super interesting in this movie and is definitely a sociopath, not a psychopath, yep. because he does form great attachments to people and cares about certain things, but he like which sets him apart from a psychopath, but he is absolutely a hundred percent a manipulator and like totally like uh, it's so weird. You 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 get them as like an odd couple, buddy cop. I'm the messy one, he's the clean one. But then it turns into like mm -hmm. really emotionally and psychologically, Nick Cage, who is playing the more like straight laced, clean. Uh, by the books guy is very messy and very fucked up. And we find out that Elijah yeah. Wood, who's literally messy and literally his life is falling apart and he's all over the place is much more of the moral compass and has a much more clean, true to self, like, um, like personality of like what he deems to be yeah. right and wrong. Totally. I, I also, there was a point where I made a note that like Nick's character felt a little light on motivation. And then at a certain point in the movie, you're like, oh, I uh, absolutely understand why they've done this. There is this kind of twist with his character where uh, I, I alluded to earlier, he's this guy who has this charismatic you know sort of dad goofy demeanor on top that really draws you in and, and builds trust and then you kind of realize like oh that is 
in some ways like a device for this character yeah. that's sort of an act for this character and and there's like hints for it uh there's there's a sequence in the movie where nick uh infiltrates um uh this like uh, like working as for hospitality at this certain um casino or hotel so that he can get inside to get more information on where this vault is um and there's like just a, a silent scene set or not a silent scene but a scene set to music you can't actually hear any of the dialogue where he's um like ingratiating himself to the crew and the rest of the workforce there and they're like all like taking a lunch break and he's doing this like really <laughs> hammy uh like performance where he's like t- a really like broadly and and hamily like ch- telling this story about how he got into a fight or something and he he does this sort of like Put him uh, up, like put him 1920s, up. Nineteen yeah. twenties, like yeah, <laughs> like high society boxing pose, uh, and it, it's it's so funny, and it's like oh yeah, like I, I that would be really really endearing, and there's a point uh, in the heist when things start going wrong, and he starts losing control of the situation, and he starts like letting his mask slip, and you can tell through his interactions with Elijah's character that he doesn't want to do that. He still wants to maintain the illusion that he knows what's going on and that he's, you know, someone that Elijah can continue to trust, but he's sort of like losing his ability to control uh, Elijah's character. And it's like a really powerful and cool turn for the character. Uh, And it, it again, just like made me like, Oh, I'm fucking so glad that we're, we found like another one of these movies where Nick has an interesting arc and like can do something like really cool and thoughtful and sort of nuanced uh in, in a performance yeah he's um, he's not the protagonist but he's the star of this movie for sure and, mm-hmm. I, and i love the flip they have with the two characters where you think you know them yeah and then they literally kind of just switch places in how you think about them yet his nick's character is like really good at appearing like a morally upright authority figure when he wants to be to certain people um but like mm-hmm like you said it's like a weapon that he uses like he he's like completely he's the perfect like when we watched frozen ground it was like okay this is the serial killer right because he's acting like a serial killer he looks like a serial killer i don't think anyone would even fucking buy that he's not a serial killer how did his wife not know you know but in this movie nick cage's character is actually a great example of someone that people could have been genuinely surprised to know like he's he's the perfect example of you think you know a guy uh and like only because we're on a journey with him intimately with a filmmaker exposing who he really is and all these layers do we really get to see like him for who he is and there's still it's not completely clear like uh there's eventually elijah and him kind of turn against each other and there's a lot to be Mm -hmm. said in terms of asking like did Nick Cage's character care for Elijah in this moment? Would he have right. done the right thing? Was Elijah wrong? Was Nick Cage like not who we think he is in certain ways? Like you can't say for sure, which is a really interesting thing to say about any character in a movie that invites mm-hmm. like that kind of like thinking of 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 like of like kind of um, debriefing on what you've seen and what's been expressed through this character. Um, but yeah, so there's a lot of things the movie does right. Right, we're talking a lot about its praises and 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 uh, what we like about it, and and it is a good movie. Like watch it. It's not like we don't have to like caveat it. I would say I had this feeling once in a while when I was watching it, where 
in summation, it's almost like they know that they're good filmmakers and they know good, uh, like, it's kind of got its head up its own ass sometimes. Like there's a few scenes that I think are a little indulgent in the fact that they know how to write a good scene or know how to make a character quirky. Like I think the, um, the scene where Elijah goes on the roof and draws out the entire floor plan of the building that they're going to do a heist in. Yeah. And Nick goes up and they debrief about it. It feels very like, um, Wes Anderson E in terms of like the dryness and the kind of weird, tilt of it and the weird Mm kind of quirky lens we're seeing this conversation through and the use of like the ultra wide with them i don't know it's like it wasn't like it was done bad it was just almost like too up its own ass and like you can feel certain things about movies that people who suck to talk to at parties would say are really great things about movies. Like a movie doesn't have to have (laughs) a a real ending. Like it doesn't have to like, uh, you know, perfectly put everything on a bow and, and, and like we can, we're not dumb enough, you know, to where we have to like have like a real ending. A movie can just end out of nowhere and have nothing to say and just be a little bit more. And it's like, that's exactly what this movie does. Like, uh, I think yeah. a lot of people find the ending unsatisfying, and I can just feel the kind of pre- pretense and the pretentiousness of someone talking about how that's actually a good ending, you pleb, like that we end it this way in a very like ambiguous mm. space. And there's a way to do that, but like, I don't know. There, it just felt a little derivative in certain parts that just felt more pretentious than maybe intended. Like, I think the ending sequence is very Scorsese, but it's like not. It's very Scorsese, you know. Like, I, it's yeah. like they're borrowing well, from I, masters instead of like uh, totally. doing their own thing, which they do in some parts of the movie. But, but you, do you know what I'm saying? Uh, absolutely, yeah, and I, and I think that using uh, the the example that you used of the the scene on the rooftop as well, that there are moments in this movie where I also was feeling like, oh, I can tell who these guys are a fan of. Yeah, and, that's and a that's great sort way of to like put it. Thinking where I I'm it, it kind of disallows me from becoming a fan of theirs because I'm like, oh yeah, I guess like I, I'm happy to like see you guys sort of perform a version of this thing that someone else does so successfully. A thing I thought about a lot throughout this um, movie was uh, Breaking Bad. I think the sort of mix of true crime and, you know, you could draw a parallel between having like an older, like ruthless guy uh, and then a a younger, um, uh, like more like, idealistic in some way but sort of like oh on on the surface you would assume he's maybe more street smart um and like them trying to perform you know crime fiction together and the fact that it is uh these guys who are kind of amateurs they're kind of new to this level of crime that they're committing there were there was a lot of reminders um but yeah that like the dialogue in that scene on top of the roof um I, i i felt like overall this movie lacked kind of a just like a cohesive um style and and tone and like voice of its own there were there was a lot of stuff where i'm like oh i i enjoy this and i i think that ultimately it kind of came down to the script and the dialogue i think that the the note that i made um about how nick's character felt a little light on motivation 
Um, I think it ultimately pays off because, you know, you're preventing your audience from fully getting to know this guy so that they can be surprised by something he does later on. But it does mean that we're spending an entire movie with someone who we don't really know and can't really invest in. Um, and, and I think that it, 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 it is a problem because I think at that point, maybe only allow the audience to view Nick's character through Elijah's eyes. Um, only like because it, the movie does spend a lot of time sort of like breaking, uh, like you're going to spend some time with Nick's character. You're going to spend some time with Elijah's character. And uh, I think that ultimately kind of was a failure because you're wondering why is it important for me to see Nick doing these things like on his own, but then ultimately you're you're not left any space to invest with him as a character because he turns out to be kind of this volatile and cold-hearted and, and manipulative uh, uh, presence in the movie, uh, which is like, oh, that's a shock to me. It's kind of hard to continue to care about this character. Well, um, one thing that's interesting about him in, later in the movie in terms of like l lacking motivation is that like there's a lot of money on the table, obviously, um, with like a heist going on. And yeah. I didn't totally know why he would need the money or want the money so bad, uh, which is like a lack of motivation. Exactly. But honestly, that was so interesting to me because it seemed like we were slowly seeing the cracks in that. Like I could feel a director giving him concrete motivation that the audience doesn't know. And I was looking yeah. to find it and figure out what exactly, why does he want this money? Why is it so important? What is his actual baseline motivation for like how he's reacting to Elijah's character in certain moments because it's not what you expect in a lot of ways and it's hard he's so unpredictable and like part of it is that um he kind of gets uh I don't know how much we want to spoil but like you never really find out um you'll ultimately you never find out and like it's kind of one of yeah. those things where it's like it makes the decision of kind of um finishing his character's uh, you know, time in the movie a little bit more powerful because I'm still like getting closer to unraveling this dude mm -hmm. who is like starting to come apart in the seams and show some vulnerability. And it, it, it made me so much more intrigued um, in, into his character. Yeah in a lot of ways i think that it it ends up really really paying off in the back half of the movie because you have these things like along with it it sort of being him going through a turn um both in like the style like how he emotes in front of elijah's character like how much uh, emotion he shows in front of him mm -hmm. uh, like what he cares about um, but there's there's some things that we know about Nick's character. We know that he has a dad who's played by uh, Jerry Lewis, the famous comedian, uh, comic legend Jerry Lewis. This was actually Jerry Lewis's last movie, but, which is really weird because he's on screen for like two minutes and yeah. doesn't really play a huge role in the film. Um, but there's a there's a moment where you see that Nick has uh, has two plane tickets, so you don't know. It, which is a great thing where it's like, and, and it's left unanswered. You don't know, was this for uh, Nick and his dad? Was this for Nick and Elijah? You you, you have like these questions about this character. Uh, and I think that 
the the way that they play Nick's like cards close to his chest for the majority of the movie, the first like two thirds of the movie, ends up being this really really effective thing that allows this cool twist to happen. I still think that my point about like just allowing Nick's character to purely exist through Elijah's eyes might better facilitate that turn Mm -hmm. just because it's like oh we're we're endeared to this character in the same way that elijah's endeared to him but it it does seem like all of the time that we spend with nick leading up to that it does feel like oh he's doing like he has idiosyncratic characterization but there's always a distance between the audience's understanding of him and and uh, his his character, um, there, there's this like distance there that isn't there with Elijah's character. You always feel like everything is on the surface here with Elijah's character, which is, which is fine. It's a choice, um, but I do feel like the 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 stretches of the movie that you're spent with Nick's character uh, early on tend uh, like end up feeling a little hollow as a result of that regardless of the fact that it ends up having like unique payoff well i agree Um, that if it was seen more through elijah's eyes that the um where we stand with him and and the turn and and figuring out like unraveling this character with elijah could have been more effective in terms of like shrouding mm -hmm. nick in in this kind of like um making elijah more of a protagonist and uh creating more but like i no doubt, I think that is true. However, I, I do believe the more omniscient point of view, where we're kind of seeing scenes play out with both of them, makes it more confusing when they interact with each other because we're, we don't have the context of just their interpersonal relationship. We have the context of the weird things that Nick does outside of that relationship and the strange things he does within it. So I do think it kind of goes hollow in certain ways, like you're saying, but I do appreciate we as the audience are just like, people are so hard to understand and they never like real Mm. people are never as, is kind of like easily compartmentalized. Like people are usually on a script or on a screen. And I think this movie really touches on that in an interesting way where people are just messy and it's just so hard to get a real read on anybody. And I am a huge sucker for the title of a movie being a profound or interesting, inevitable commentary sure. on the themes. Like I've heard me say this before. I don't know why. To me, it's just so beautiful to me. Like the idea that the movie is called The Trust and how it could be referring mm-hmm. to the money, but it also has everything to do with how much does Elijah trust Nick? Does Nick trust Elijah? Do we as an audience member trust Nick and his motivations? Do we as an audience member trust Elijah? Like it's all about the weird, like how you can never really trust anybody, especially when you don't know who's a fucking psycho. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, Yeah. I think that, and, and I will say like, I think that this movie is something that, you know, we're 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 watching these with like such a critical eye, and there's there's such a like a huge spectrum that uh, like qualitative spectrum that these movies can swing from. I think that like straight up, this is if you're in the mood for like a twisty, 
like fun, darkly comedic like crime caper. With some like tension, it, it'll a good tension satisfy. Yeah, yeah. Like the it's it'll it'll absolutely satisfy. A hundred percent. And it's one of the big things about it too is that the pacing. Um, I know we say pacing a lot, and I always had tried to define it, but <laughs> what I mean by pacing in this case is that it's a shorter movie that literally like eighty mm-hmm. percent of it takes place in one night, one heist almost in real time. And that is such a different experience than like the huge like blockbusters and fantasy and sci-fi movies that come out now where you have tons of cultures and locations and time and sometimes years go by or days go by. Like if you want a tense situation that plays out over the course of a night with really interesting characters in this kind of genre, like it's, it's a good, it's a good movie to watch. I mean, it's, if people are quarantined, don't have much to watch and you want to watch a cage movie, this is like one of, I don't, when people ask me, Derek, which cage movie should I watch? Or should I watch this next one coming out on the pod or whatever? I tell them like probably not like you don't need to spend this much of your time like I don't want to be here and sit and like tell you to do this and like have it take away that time that you could be spending with loved ones but this is a good enough movie to where you can absolutely watch it without it being like an ironic fun Nick Cage thing and you get a fun fucking Nick Cage performance that's also nuanced and interesting really solid Nick uh, Cage performance. And also, uh, just as we're sort of wrapping up our, our thoughts on the actual movie, um, it was the beginning of um, Elijah's like role as a producer on a bunch of Nick's movies. Oh. So he went on to produce Mandy and then Colorado Space as well. Uh, a, a thing, I, I, you know, I... I, I uh, I get, I was talking a little bit at the start of this conversation about like just how good I thought Elijah much was in this movie, but Wood. I love him. I and then also like he's just like I think that he's such a good, cool dude and good creative, <laughs> nice like, force tight in butt, the f- and like just love the dude. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like when you think about the types of people who fall into like a a fortune like a true fortune from being in like a blockbuster in the way that elijah did with lord of the rings and then what they go on to do with that creative capital and that money he's made so many he's he's been like a producer maybe more than he's been an actor in the last uh 10 or so years and he or he he's just like lent his his name uh to like so many things and produced so many interesting like weird sci-fi things and and horror things and uh yeah just shout out to elijah i think he's doing it right and seems like a real cool dude. he's definitely not like burning out too which is nice to see because he he um yeah he turned 18 while filming fellowship um he was so young and like and also like he's a child actor too he's he's been around forever it's hard not to like as someone who's just such a big nerd and obviously has watched all the Lord of the Rings and it was like a big part of our childhood, Dave, like as they came out during mm-hmm. a seminal age and we would just run around the woods with our friends pretending we were in those fucking movies. Like it's hard not oh, to yeah, be endeared to that fucking guy, you know, as being Frodo. But I agree with you. Like I like seeing him in anything and he's never like the main I guess he's the lead and protagonist in this, but he never really like has that kind of role. It's always something a little bit more interesting. Um, and he was in, uh, I'll, I'll shout out something that I really, he, he was in a movie called, I don't feel at home in this world anymore, which kind of shares, um, some like 
darkly comedic stuff and he, he he's like a very very funny character in that and he plays the um he's kind of the uh the the supporting cast like the second character the second lead um in that movie as well but it's just i don't know i we love elijah he, honestly probably pretty high up on the list of people that i'd like to interview because he's worked with nick three times now he's gotten to work with him as a as a co-actor and then also as a producer a couple times so it'd be really fun to chat well, you with, heard it uh, here elijah i know you're listening yeah, get on the show, buddy. Come on, give um, us return our calls, bud. We're trying to get, get all the way. You've been very polite up until this point, Elijah. <laughs> all right, well, that should cover it, Derek. Let's give our closing thoughts and hit this with uh, a good, 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 the bad, or a bad, bad. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll start. Uh, I think the execution was really, really well done in a lot of ways in this movie. Love the characters, love Cage's character, love the ambiguity, um, love that the title is reminiscent of the themes and of the film, which is a cheap way to get me on your side. I will say a bit of a kind of, I don't know, not super earned um, kind of wrap up to how it all ends felt like one of the only hollow parts of the movie is how like the inciting events that lead to the demise of these guys. Um, like with uh, Elijah Wood's character, it just seemed like they kind of had to figure out a way to end it, but it, it's, it's not like terrible. It's nothing compared to like how hollow the ending was for um, grand Isle, and It's very deliberate. The whole movie is super deliberate. They're trying to do something almost to its detriment sometimes where you can feel the pretentiousness of the filmmakers once in a while, but they're able to be pretentious because they're, they are good at what they do and they know what they're doing. So um, I would say it's, you know, a non caveat, pretty good movie to watch great cage performance. And because of the cage performance, particularly with his character too, I'm totally fine giving this a good, good. Yeah, I'm also um, going to give this a good good. I think you put it really, really well. Like, I think if if you are, I think that th there's a part of me that really, really loves this movie. It's it, it's exactly what the type of project that I want from late career cage. I like that he's taking um, a risk on young first time directors who clearly have some vision and some, like a are like a really sort of robust skill set uh, and can clearly like make a competent tense uh crime movie uh i i think that there's like really interesting stuff going on with his character and uh his evolution throughout the movie and the where it ends up is like truly like some of the best acting that we've seen from cage and the most exciting stuff that he's done with a character over the whole course of the show. It's really, really cool stuff. Um, I really enjoyed Elijah and the character in, in this movie as well. Uh, and yeah, so basic, basically that, that, that evolution of cage from the sort of charismatic disarming dad to someone who you can tell doesn't want to sell you out but it, it would have no problem with doing it, it it's really like a, a scary turn and it, it's so so effective and yeah i'm definitely giving this a good good as well um despite the fact that i can sort of go in on it uh over like a couple different things like like what we talked about um then it being obvious what these guys are a fan of and them sort of 
attempting to emulate certain things that uh that maybe like more heavily borrow versus trying to strike out on their own and find their own voice as much um but yeah overall uh, a, a really really fun just a, a good solid movie um and now derek we've got to move into a little segment that we call cage match here is where we find out and decide where this film fits into the larger pantheon of the other cage movies that we've reviewed on the show thus far um i feel like i have a good idea but i need to see it's a big list now it's a big list and i gotta read it contractually obligated to read it at the top of the list we have Mandy, followed by Joe, followed by Bad Lieutenant, Dog Eat Dog, The Frozen Ground, Color Out of Space, National Treasure 2, Stolen, National Treasure 1, Grand Isle, Kill Chain, Outcast, Ghost Rider, Primal, Pay the Ghost, Left Behind, Sorcerer's Apprentice, and at the bottom of the barrel, Knowing. Um, this is definitely sitting, this one's gonna, you know, end up sitting pretty high. Oh yeah, um, definitely in th- in above National Treasure Book of Secrets, for sure. So we're talking Color Out of Space, Frozen Ground, Doggy Dog. Definitely below Bad Lieutenant. Definitely. Yeah, I think that there are three movies that are great uh, on this list, and that those are Mandy, Joe, Bad Lieutenant. Uh, I think this might be our first, without qualification, good movie. Like, this is a good movie. I think this earns the number four spot pretty easily uh i'm open to hear uh arguments with you but as far as my personal preference and i know we've never really had like too big of a fight (laughs) when it comes to ranking these movies we're always at least one like one or two at the most yeah we're usually i mean i would say definitely above colorado space so the question is Mm -hmm. is it better than well, frozen ground, so I can at least try to start meeting you up above Doggy Dog. Yeah, um, totally. Let's ha- let's have that conversation. That's what we're supposed to be doing now. Um, I mean, frozen ground. Why I would put it above frozen ground is huh. that the frozen ground is a competently made but pretty generic film mm-hmm. um, that doesn't do anything really interesting with characters. Right. It is a uh, as we talked a lot about in that review it was very very concerned with maintaining the characterization and the moral sort of uprightness of specific characters because it is a true story um and it it was telling a true story uh ultimately i don't think it was super effective in telling a true story that was also really captivating and engaging uh, which is why I, I would put the trust above it. But I'm I mean, Frozen Ground is very watchable. It's probably more watchable than this movie. Um, the trust, really? Yeah, oh, like just like 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 the, the trust. When I say watchable, I mean like you can put it in front of most people, and they'll watch it and be entertained. Like the trust, a lot of people really, really don't like how unsatisfying the ending is. And like I say it is kind of a pretentious thing to have an unsatisfying, ambiguous ending. And guys like me and you, who are a little bit more like critical and artsy and, and shit, we, we don't, we're not as turned off by stuff like that. Where we're like, oh, that's cool. I can kind of dive yeah, definitely into, not. you know, other, pre- yeah, de- we're totally pretentious, dude. Definitely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't say watchable means it's better. 
Um, what I'm just trying to say no. is the style, the merits of style that a lot of these movies have are sometimes yeah. its detriment as well. The Frozen Ground is so, like you say, a little generic, which keeps it safe. But I would say the Nick Cage performance is so much more interesting and so much more what this podcast is about that I would feel comfortable yeah. putting it up above frozen ground in that respect very easily. Um, yeah. So now we're, we're looking at doggy dog, which kind of very much similar. The merits of its style is also part of its detriment because it gets very weird. Yeah. Um, Super strange movie. It's, it's a tough movie. It's a tough movie to put up against the trust because I think that the trust is is a more competently assembled and the trust and is more watchable than Doggy Dog. Definitely, <laughs> yeah, Doggy Dog. But the, the argument for Doggy Dog, of course, would be that where. Um, some of the creative vision and um, the creative voice of this movie kind of felt a little um, emulative and and hollow, whereas Dog Eat Dog was doing something Definitely its own fully thing. fucking on its own. Absolutely. Uh, was taking th that sort of like mob genre and being like, oh, let's do like really weird experimental shit with this. With Willem um, Dafoe and condiments. Yeah, and and just that that opening sequence is just yeah, yeah uh, of that. of Willem Dafoe. If if you guys didn't listen to that or haven't seen Dog Eat Dog, uh, the it opens with this really bizarre sort of like day glow color tripped out sequence of Willem Dafoe going to like a former girlfriend's house and just being an absolute menace. And there's this really chaotic energy um, to it that feels really trippy and he's like watching uh i think like there's like some like gun say like sh like qvc but for like firearms going on on the tv or something like that yeah, and it's it very much like captures that thing of being like in a space being out of your <laughs> your like mind trying to make sense and like uh it's i don't so think crazy. this was part of that sequence at all but i just hear in the hall of the mountain king when i think about it like <laughs> yeah um it is that sort of like just progressive sense of dread and unease um and yeah and i don't know so yeah, why, I, I why guess... it sounds like uh you're making it really hard for me to put it above doggy dog dave hard for myself <laughs> like you're just you're just singing the merits of this this wild doggy dog movie I, the problem is though that doggy dog i think is is a good bad it, it is i think ultimately not Despite a successful itself. film yeah i i think that nick's performance is really weird and doesn't really work I, if you remember he's trying to yeah. emulate humphrey bogart yeah. which is like a really big swing but i think that and especially seeing paul schrader's next movie that he did i believe it's his next movie was first reformed which i think we talked about in last week's episode as an example of uh, a movie that like engages with faith in a really interesting way and it's um produced by a24 which dog eat dog was not and you can see the type of movie that paul schrader can make um but in comparison what first reformed is and then what dog eat dog is dog eat dog is i think kind of 
bad. It's like a weird movie and I have a place in my heart for it. Yeah. But I think I would have a hard time putting the trust above it because I think that the trust is just a good crime caper that has a really, really interesting character arc for Nick is really slickly made and has like a great sense of place and great tense moments. Um, yeah. And dog eat dog while having some like really fun, wacky stuff. Well, just doesn't live up to it as as a movie. It's kind of like um, the like Bad Lieutenant is this kind of unique cage thing going on. Mm -hmm. That's kind of a drug trip, and like Doggy Dog is kind of on that. It's riding those waves, but it's not uh, as polished of a version of it like Bad Lieutenant is. Um, You know, I I would tend to agree. I mean, honestly. I don't know how much of a worse or better movie they are because I do feel like there are some holes in um, the trust, but yeah, it's it it really is that performance like mm-hmm. hands down a more interesting and on display and nuanced uh, fun performance from Nick in the trust compared to dog eat dog. Like dog eat dog has Willem Dafoe and his crazy intro and all those boys running around together. But that, that's not totally true. Like when I look at Mandy, Joe, bad Lieutenant, like what are we putting on display here? Like fucking Nick cage in artistic movies, you know? And like dog eat dog deserves to be up near the top, but I'll, I'll give it to you. I'll, I'll, uh, right under bad Lieutenant and above dog eat dog. I'll throw in the trust. Yeah. I think it's, I think it is the right choice to make and it, it doesn't take anything away from dog eat dog. I think that yeah. dog eat dog considering its shortcomings is still sitting yeah, really high at, at a good, <laughs> at a good place. Um, yeah, beat color out of space yeah, and frozen ground. Yeah, totally. Um, I I actually, I think that Dog Eat Dog sitting above Frozen Ground is one of our better movies. (laughs) Like, because I I like both those movies for very, very different things. But again, as you just so well put, uh, if you're looking at the performances in those movies and like Nick going for it and, and this podcast being an exercise in acknowledging that Nick is putting out is a prolific difficult like unwieldy amount of work right now and we're trying to like direct attention mm-hmm. to his most interesting and best work uh i i feel yeah. really really good Me too. about i agree our list i yeah. agree okay um now that we've uh locked that in um at the number four spot congratulations the trust it's yeah, not easy to you. break uh no, no, no. break into that 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 space um we're gonna move into a little segment that we call cage news <laughs> derek's classic scat section it's becoming a recurring sort of musical motif of the show <laughs> my scat section <laughs> yeah uh shout hey by the way shout out benny we love you benny benny uh, Derek's my brother, brother brother of mine always number one cage always, fan um, since day one it's true Listens man he, every he episode beyond supportive uh, he's pumping his fist in the air good. right now 
like whoever yeah. he's roped into listening to this shit with him who's been like <laughs> suffering through because this episode you know when we have a better movie our episodes are not as entertaining like if you're into <laughs> that's definitely true. if you're into like movie critiques and like diving into something or you're interested in a movie and you want to hear our take on it you know wh- whoever you are um <laughs> that this can be kind of enjoyable but like if you're just looking for some entertainment the bad movies are much more fun to hear me commiserate to hear us argue to hear how bad it is and uh, this one's a little bit more of a deep dive so god bless you for sticking it out i can't believe benny made you listen to this but um you know he's our number one fan so we have to we have to give it to him here guys we've got to acknowledge him. i i just i was uh i was talking ben uh texted us about your scatting in the <laughs> previous episode and i uh i realized i was like oh we've never we've never addressed him even though he's been so sweet and so nice uh, about the show always so we love you benny hope you're doing well uh th- these these ca- this cage news section is dedicated to you benny wow. the number one cage nation fan uh so our first item uh we have a valley girl remake coming out um which of course nick's first role i believe first film role was valley girl i believe uh and i think he kind of had a uh yeah it was a a big important sort of like 80s movie 1983 um and uh th- that's sort of like unrelated who cares that they're doing a musical remake of valley girl but the interesting thing is that for some reason or another i couldn't even get an answer uh as to why this was but the rights of the original valley girl were tied up in a way that it had never received a digital release and it just did as oh. as this is like coming out so we finally get uh nick's first film role i believe it's his first film role or, wow. or one of his first big roles um that's finally online so available to us maybe we'll check that out at some point derek yeah, um, that is but yeah if you guys far away go from and... contemporaries you can get but <laughs> uh yeah that's true that is that is way way back 1983 um but cool yeah i, I i've never seen it maybe i'll check that out it's um, a good you know we gotta like we appreciate on you know, Cage, um, what do we call that? Where we uh, get the dirty scroll and it has the history of Cage and his interviews. The uh, uh, Oh, God. History Uncaged history with Benjamin uncaged. Gates. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, okay. Our next item, our next news item is uh, that we've gotten the second half of Kesha's Cage song. I'm sharing Ooh. it with you right now, Derek. Hot. Um, Beat. As you guys all heard last week, um, I also have been referencing the real last week was National Treasure. Uh, I've been referencing Left Behind, uh, but that was the last episode that we've released. But this is really confusing people. But yeah, so as as you guys all heard in the National Treasure episode, Kesha released uh, a song dedicated to the Cage Man, and we just got part two. Oh my god! So. I'm going to pipe it in right now. Uh. They always say, yeah, to act my age. I just don't know if my psycho is just a phase. I feel amazing. So let's go, Abe shit. I'm about to freak out. I'm on some Nicholas Cage shit. Get down my spaceship. Face up, let's face it. I'm on their heart and I'm a bitch that is what chasing. I'm just amazing. I'm just amazing. 
stop. Kesha's a straight up babe and, uh, and a queen and Cage Nace has no choice but to stan uh, our, our queen Kesha. We bow to you queen Kesha, queen of the Cage Nace. Also there's like there's too many references in the song to even like dive into but I will say she's got her like snakeskin jacket which uh there there's a movie called Snake Eyes where Nick is wearing a snakeskin jacket and it looks like an exact replica. I'm just oof. She she's so good. Like her cuts her references are so good. I yeah, I can't believe I can't believe it. We we love you Cash. Cash, we're speechless. Kesha we're speechless. Keep it up. Uh, and then that'll do it. <laughs> Those are the only two pieces of news. I've been sort of... I know that uh, currently Nick was filming Wally's Wonderland. I haven't heard any reports of it being shut down, even though I'm sure it is. Every film production is shut down. But I wonder if, like, in the current news cycle, as everything is shutting down, if that's, like, not even a news story that would get reported on um but yeah we haven't heard any sort of like cage coronavirus specific news about any of his movies being postponed i know that the release of a lot of movies has have started getting postponed um so it is possible that a lot of the stuff we touched on in the cage 2020 um preview it, it, those movies don't come out within the time frame that we initially talked about, but we'll we'll cover so all we'll of that when we hear fake about news, it in boys and girls. Cage News. Fake yeah, news. it was all fake news. Uh, um, I have one more that'll... thing before we go. Ooh. It's a little segment I, Beautiful, I like to call Thus Speaks the Cage Nash. Oh my God, I love it. This is where we get the lifeblood of the Cage fandom. Because you, you've been hearing us talk. We talk, we talk, we talk. We, we got a lot to say. Well, we don't represent every single Cage uh, lover. And uh, I just wanted to read a couple reviews of The Trust. Um, oh, beautiful. This one's from Todd Smith. He reviewed this movie a week ago. Okay. Um, he begins by kind of summarizing it, but I'm going to cut to the chase here. Uh, basically, he's a big Nick Cage fan, and he watches any movie he's in. But he was not a fan of this one. Uh, for starters, this movie doesn't even make sense. Everyone talks in riddles. It's impossible to know who is on what side. And most important of all, what's the point? If these guys, <laughs> if these guys are corrupt cops, why do they care so much when they discover that they aren't the only ones. They're losers who don't care about anything until they find out there are other bad cops, then all of a sudden, they're Starsky and Hutch? I love the cast, but between the riddles, the constant twists, and the strange dialogue, this film was just a mess. Pretty much unwatchable. So, Todd Smith, not a fan of riddles, Last week had wow. a bad time. Um, Toddy, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I honestly, I'm. I think uh, Toddy might want to 
stick with uh stick with uh some some like nick jr or something yeah i mean <laughs> i hope like this guy nothing. never uh hope this guy never runs into a sphinx or he's gonna be real pissed off All the riddles <laughs> talks in riddles that is very funny because like I don't. I don't know what that could possibly be referring. Yeah, to. it's like he <laughs> There's just nothing doesn't... that's like particularly obtuse about the dialogue in this movie. No, like I, I guess like sometimes it flows a little weird, but like people are just speaking normal fucking English. Like there's no riddles. Um. Uh, okay. Well, thank you, Toddy, for weighing in. We I want to do one your... more because it's a little more <laughs> okay. positive. Because I don't want to just put. You know the Cage Nation on blast. I want the the Cage faithful out here. This is yeah. Leave on, leave on a high note. This one's from Anon um, Y Mouse, so anonymous, I guess. Uh, hmm. And he saw this movie eleven months ago. He was on the cutting room floor here, and he says, "TBH, I like the film, and I'm disappointed by the mostly negative reviews from the general public, considering the following." <laughs> and then he doesn't put a colon. He puts a period. <laughs> Nicholas Cage is known for his extravagant spending habits, which has made the news once before. But because he is Nicholas Cage, he can bang out, say, 10 or so films per year to make back all the money he spent, lost, and had to pay to the tax man. <laughs> so this guy knows a thing or two about Cage. As a result, oh most of his films are trash. However, this film is not. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it for the first time a while back. So this is a revisit and found the chemistry between Cage and Elijah Wood entertaining and watchable. It's a cool movie. Don't get me wrong. It's not a great movie, but at least I like it. <laughs> we yeah, all want kind of where we were. We all want to make it rich, even cops. Sadly, for most of us, we can only win the lottery or rob a bank. Or in this case, rich drug it's, dealers. It's so sad that for most of us, we can all only win the lottery. <laughs> Sadly, we can only win the lottery. It's the only thing. And we all do it. We all win it all the time. Unless we're robbing a bank. To us. Overall, I would say it's definitely worth a watch. And I, for one, cannot wait for when enough time has passed to when I can see it again. And it's still <laughs> fresh in my insane so insane finally just him sitting on the side of his bed well maybe in like a month or two i don't i still think i remember too many scenes finally i think it's hilarious that nick cage bangs out films like a normal person bangs out overtime in an office in order to live his legendary lifestyle <laughs> he is one of a kind we should all aspire to live life to the fullest like Mr. Cage does, even if that involves eating a raw lemon wedge with tobacco sauce. Lol. So a little bit more positive. A little more positive. This guy was sort of doing the thing that, that he very much enters into this movie with the mentality that we're trying to fight against and actively dismantle where he's like oh bad reviews like oh, let me fr use that as a frame of reference for this and then like talking about his spending habits and all this stuff about him being an enigma uh but yeah it is it is always good to hear a couple dumb guys weigh in Whoa. after you listen to us for a while uh, uh <laughs> after you listen to derek and i two dumb guys 
yeah. a couple more dumb guys will, will pop in. Well, this person was anonymous, so it could have been a woman. Okay, sorry. So. Um, well, thank you guys so much for listening. <laughs> That'll do it for this week. Uh, if you guys want to follow along um, on our socials, you're welcome to follow uh, on Instagram at CagePod or on Twitter at CagePod. Um, you can also email the show at contemporarycage at gmail.com. And we'd really, really appreciate it if you headed on over to iTunes yeah. and gave us a little review. Write um, a review out, please. Write it out. It's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Please write it with words. Um, take a take a little lesson from Todd Smith and just really let us have it. Yeah, totally. And if you guys want to talk about, like, I can't wait until, you know, six months have passed so I can re-listen to this episode. When it's so, fresh. So fun. If you want to talk about how everyone can win the lottery, um, we'd love sadly. to hear about that. And in the yeah, sadly, oh, sadly, <laughs> everyone can only win the lottery. Uh, <laughs> if you want to do that, that'd be great. We'd really, really appreciate that. And then uh, next week on the show, yep. Derek, you actually um, suggested this. I We're going to be going back into time mm-hmm. and watching season of the witch. Season uh, of the witch. Well, people. Which- will probably see it on Netflix all the time because the, it's it's easy to spot mm-hmm. the thumbnail. So I thought, it's you know, push to the top, it, you know, you got to um, uh, feed the people where they're living, you know, and, and, and put, absolutely. Put this on their so, radar. Yeah. This is, this is available to you all on Netflix. If you're interested in watching it, it stars uh, Nicholas Cage and Ron Perlman. Good little duo. I'm excited to watch this. I've never seen it. Me neither. Uh, and we love uh, a good old sword clashing. Oh, movie. Sword and board. And I believe uh, the witch in question in this movie is uh, allegedly responsible for the Black Plague. So also somewhat relevant Ooh, to the horrible. A little topical. Yeah, topical. All right. Well, we'll see you guys all next week. Enjoy the season of the witch. Season of the witch. <laughs>